How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? This is episode number seven? Six? Seven? Yeah, seven, I think. Seven. This is episode number seven of the Association Podcast. Um, I'm live in the... I don't know. Who the hell is our fake sponsor? Fucking... Jewel. We're in the Jewel Studios broadcasting to you (laughs) on Skype. Um, My name's Cohen Hughes. I'm joined by my great, great friend and an incredible colleague if that's what you want to call him, Thomas Penland. Thomas, say what's up to the people. What's up, guys? I'm ready once again for some uh, hot, hot, hot takes coming to y'all from from me in Johns Creek, Georgia now. I'm back home with my parents since I just graduated college, but I've been watching tons of NBA basketball since I don't have any friends to hang out with back here. So, I mean, I, wa- I think I watched four. Yeah, it was like, no, that was on Wednesday night. Wednesday night I watched nice little three games. I watched that crazy Thunder um, Spurs game, the two overtime game last night. I had the under, so that was pretty tight. They went to overtime. I hit it by one point, then we went to overtime, and then it was just no, – I, was, I yeah. was very upset. I mean, that game just kept going and going and going. I also like to say I picked up Derek White on my fantasy team, and he looked like an absolute beast last night, so that was kind of a plus. But, you know, it was a fun game to watch. But, all right, Cohen, I got a decent little topic here for us to start the day off with. All right, so – Hear me out on this one. I think I've found the best possible way to guard Giannis. Now, don't get me wrong. The superstar players like LeBron, Giannis, James Harden, all of them, there's not really a way to guard them, but I think I have the best way to guard him. Deport him back so, to Greece. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's probably the best one right there. Yeah. I didn't even think of that one, deport him back to Greece. But y'all might call me a little bit crazy for this. So the biggest um, knack on Giannis is the fact that he's just not that great of a shooter. You know, everyone says that He's not a great outside shooter, that his shooting could be a lot better. I mean, he's shooting like 12% from three-point range, but he keeps firing him, which I like because, you know, shoot or shoot. That's yeah. the all-time saying. That's Shoot your shot. I go by. Yeah, shoot or shoot, baby. But Giannis keeps pulling him, but I actually think the best way to play him is as if he were to be a good shooter and get up in him. Giannis is probably one of the fastest players in the league with how damn long those legs are. He's a hop, skip, and a jump away from getting down the court and dunking on you. So I think if you get up in him and play up tight on him, that it gives him less time to build up his speed and get an extra step on you. So I think that's actually probably the best way possible to guard him is by not giving him space, which you would say I'd rather play off him. But, I mean, he's just going to pick you apart passing or get ahead of steam and blow right by you, and you're going to have to foul him and get to the rack. Yep. Just because he doesn't shoot a three doesn't mean there's not scoring opportunities off of mm-hmm. the, the, the shot fake and the pass and the movement. Yeah, and I mean, even like in that game against the Rockets the other night, like that behind the back pass he had where he wasn't even looking, like that pass was unreal. He has point guard passing abilities. That's why I've always said, ditch Bledsoe, give me another shooter, throw Giannis out there. Although I like Malcolm Brogdon a lot. I'm fine with Brogdon, Bledsoe, or Brogdon, Giannis, and um, what's and uh, Chris Middleton being my guards on my team with them, or Giannis as your forward or whatever. But I'm fine with that lineup too. I mean, Brogdon's gotten a lot better this year shooting the three ball too. Yeah, um, and you could probably definitely pull like a nice draft pick for Bledsoe or something. There's a lot of teams right now looking for back, for uh, even serviceable backup point guards. Uh, I feel like the giving up good draft picks has kind of lost their value just because how good these kids have been in the last couple drafts. But, I mean, Brogdon has clearly gotten better this season. This season he's shooting now uh, 42.9% from three. His career average is uh, 40 
40.5%. He shot 38.5% last year. So, I mean, he's clearly stepped up his three-point shooting percentage. He's making 1.6 per game as opposed to 1.3 last year and one per game his rookie year. So, mm-hmm. I think that that's also a big thing, too, is how much better he's gotten. I mean, Brogdon's a guy who I believe won ACC Player of the Year when he was at Virginia. So, I really like him in there. I mean, he is 26 now. So, I mean, he is kind of like one of those guys he played in college a little while, but he's definitely one of those second-round standouts. Hey, just like you said, man, you're not a tank guy, so, I mean, you like guys nope. like that who bloom in the second round. Yep. You, you can find talent anywhere in the draft, 100%. Your man Isaiah Thomas, also, prime example. Oh, yeah. I stayed up, like I've said many times, I stayed up all – I stayed up watched every single pick of that NBA draft begging the Hawks to take him. We had two late picks, and we took two guys who aren't even in the league anymore. I mean, yeah. got to love it, Atlanta. Got to love it. Mm-hmm. The same team who drafted Eddie Tavares. Yeah, I mean, Eddie Tavares, I'm not as mad at. I mean, the the draft pick that will always haunt me for the rest of my life is the fact that we were supposed to draft Giannis, and Larry Drew leaked to the Bucks that how good he was. He saw the whiteboard in one of the Hawks meetings and leaked to them how good he was supposed to be because, I mean, we were the only team who ever even looked at him as a draft prospect, and they took him the pick in front of us. So that one will always God. be. That, one will always, that was pretty much franchise-changing move. But what yeah. do you got for us today that you want to talk to? Um. Let's see. You want to do more serious stuff first, you, or you, you want to get through some little trivia nuggets? Um, so we can talk about the like see. like the last ten games of record. We talk about the standings. We can talk about some big injuries. Um, let's let's start with the serious stuff for now. I got another serious topic. All right. Um, so some hot teams this week: Milwaukee Bucks, definitely eight and two in their last ten. Houston um, this week, great game. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Toronto and Indiana both at seven and three. Even the Seventy Sixers have, have improved their standings in the East at seven and three. Yeah, um, the Seventy Sixers are pretty much unbeatable at home. They're like seventeen and three at home this season. Eighteen and three. Eighteen and three. Yeah, I mean they play the Hawks tonight, so you may as well mark them down as nineteen and three. Yeah, nineteen and three. Um, let's let's look at the West. Denver has just been fucking white hot. Them and the Joker, seven and three in their last ten. Um, yeah, and a big thing about and three Denver, at home too, too is their defense. You oh know what I mean? God, like, yes. A, a lot of people think that it's just a scoring league now, but I mean, if you're able to actually play defense and stop teams, it's big time. I mean, you look at Denver; they're great. They're number three in the league in defense. Indiana's been struggling lately after being hot last week. That's because they don't have Miles Turner in there. He's the center around their defense. I mean, Memphis plays good defense, and they play a slow pace of basketball. I mean, Memphis, Memphis, Memphis plays league. fucking incredible defense in, in, in this league today. They allow mm-hmm. 102.5 points per game. That is just fucking scary. The next closest yeah, no, team that... is Denver with 10, um, 105.4. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, I mean, Milwaukee and Toronto are back there at 9 and 10, but I also feel like Milwaukee just gets up so big on everybody that at the end of the game they're pulling everybody and it's just kind of yeah. like, oh, look, here comes, for example, like Kobe Simmons in the game. Like, who cares if he shoots the ball? Like, let him do it. Yeah. Nobody, you know what I mean? It's yeah. one of those things. No love so. loss over that. Mm-hmm. But, that, I mean, that's one thing that people don't really pay attention to is all these good defensive teams are up there high. I mean, even Houston's good at defense. I mean, Clint Capella, he pretty much is like a one-man army in there playing defense. Him and P.J. Tucker, I mean, those guys, I feel your like – favorite, P.J. Tucker, your favorite. Oh, I love P.J. Tucker. Love P.J. Tucker. <laughs> Nobody's got drip like P.J. Tucker does. Oh, hell I mean, no. Him and, uh, him and Capella, they get after it in the paint. I mean, those guys are – those guys might – like, P.J. Tucker shoots corner threes and just plays his ass off on defense and on the boards. I mean, he's boxing out every single time. I mean, that's all he does. I feel like he thrives off being the junkyard dog. And Capella, too, man. I mean, Capella's mean. Like, 
in that I felt like when I was sitting there watching that Rockets Warriors game that happened last week that I felt like that it was Capella and Harden playing two on five basically the whole game. Yeah. All right, what do you got? Um, what, what other hot teams we got right now? Um, Trailblazers have been hot, seven and three in their last ten. Spurs mm. and Rockets. Uh, the Spurs. I just, God Almighty, God bless Greg Popovich, man. I, I just, it's crazy to think how he's hanging on right now. Six seed in the West right now. He's adapting to the new pace of play, the new NBA basketball with fucking the, uh, the Island of Misfit Toys. LaMarcus Aldridge dropped 56 fucking points last night. Granted, he had two overtimes to do it, but God almighty. How is Pop doing yeah. this with, 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 with these, these odds and ends guys? Yeah, no, I agree with you there completely. I mean, he even lost to Jonte Murray before the season started. I believe they've had other injuries, too, at the point guard. Who's their second-string point guard? I can't think of who it is. Supposed to be off the top of my head. I believe he's hurt, too. So, I mean, they're down a lot of guys at point guard. But going back to what you said about LaMarcus Aldridge dropping 56 points last night, he was 16 for 16 from the free throw line. That's a crazy stat. Oh, think about how tight he was. Didn't miss a damn free throw last night. Did not attempt a three-pointer and made 20 out of 33 field goals. That's the most impressive thing to me about LaMarcus Aldridge when he scores 40 or 50 points. Like, I went to a Hawks game a couple of years ago where he scored, like, 48. He only shot eight free throws and hit all eight of them. And, I mean, he was just draining two-point baskets. And, I mean, a lot of them are just these little pull-up two-point shots. I mean, yeah. LaMarcus Aldridge goes to work in the paint with that pull-up, too. God almighty. 16 for 16 from the free throw line? Holy shit. Mm-hmm. I, I, 16. Guys like Dwight Howard have no fucking excuse. Lamar Aldridge is fucking huge. 16 yeah. for 16, that is an absolute clip. Yeah, it's kind of weird, too, with the Spurs. Like, Greg Popovich is trying to adjust his, his like, playing style and his coaching style to the new NBA, yet he probably has the two biggest uh, pull-up two guys in the entire league. That's DeRozan Aldridge and, and DeMar DeRozan. Yep. Yeah, they're probably the two biggest two-point shooters in the league. Probably, I bet you at the end of the season, they'll probably attempt the most mid-range shots of any two players in the league, and they both play on the Spurs, and they're still winning. Also, though, I think getting back Pau Gasol has really changed this team up a lot. I noticed at the beginning of the year, because I'm a big – I tweet out on my Hot Takes Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, at Hot Takes with CP3. Um, it's kind of like I, I look really closely into stuff like that. Pau Gasol missed a lot of games. The Spurs were playing really bad. They finally started to get into more of a groove there towards the end when he started to get ready to come back, and then now they have him back. They've been playing even better. Yes, they have. And the Spurs also last night played to one of my theories that team, the good teams that play bad on the first leg of a back-to-back they tend to score more points and they tend to win the second leg. I mean, that was the second that they got embarrassed against Memphis the night before, put up 86 points. I mean, 86 points in this day and age in the NBA is downright embarrassing. And they came out last night. I mean, in regulation, I think they already had 120, like five or 120 points or something like that. I mean, at one point in time last night, they were thir- they were 13 for 13 from three. 13 for 13 from three. I think that I don't know if that was an NBA record or not, just because. I was working last night, so I couldn't really listen to the audio. But, I mean, I would be surprised if that wasn't an NBA record last night, going 13 for 13 from the field for three. Um, Speaking of an NBA record, Greg Popovich with the win last night um, is now third in the NBA all-time coaching wins, past Jerry Sloan for his 1,222nd career win. I mean, Pop to me is the – 
seen in basketball. Pop always is some way of shutting everybody down and changing everything up. Completely take James Harden out of one series. See, that's why that people I do agree with the say with the statement that playoff basketball is different from regular season basketball. For example, in that series, I mean. You're not going to throw a defensive game plan at a guy like that in the regular season because you don't want him to know how it's coming. No, and they oh, just throw complete no. curveballs at him. You would mm-hmm. you would you would rather go zero and four against him in the regular season just so you know that you haven't shown him your real game plan in the playoffs. Exactly. You could give Popovich a, a group of eighth graders and bring him to the NBA playoffs, and he'll he'll find a way to win two games. Except if he goes up against the Warriors, and then he'll only win one. Yeah, then he'll only win one. Sorry. What an absolute yeah, nutcase. Yeah. I love him to death. Oh, I love Pop too. Great coach, great coach, great guy. I mean, I just love his interviews. And in, in between timeouts, when they try to interview or in between quarters, he gives them like two like two words. I thought, my favorite one, RIP Craig Sager, was when Craig Sager, Sager had been gone for a little while with cancer and he came back and he like tried to ask Pop one question. Pop just gives him a hug and was like, I'm glad you're back, buddy. And went Damn. and sat back down on the bench. That my was fucking, one of my favorite ones. My poor heart can't take it, dude. I'm about to start crying mm-hmm. right here. R.I.P. Sager, man. I'm just seeing him on sidelines on Thursdays. Best dressed by a mile. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we think that P.J. Tucker, James Harden have the most drip in the league. No, Craig Sager Lord, had no. all the drip. They're just God copying almighty. him. God almighty. He was a lake when it came to the drip, dude. He had the most. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he didn't check the he didn't check the forecast because he knew it was going to rain uh, with that hell drip. Nah. Hell no. Nah. Brought an umbrella everywhere he went. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What else you got for us? Um, let's see. Let's look into the archives. Has has it I really has, has it really only been four days since Minnesota fired Tibbs? Shoot, I actually that's right. We haven't talked about. It seemed that. like that. Yeah, that, that was it. last week, didn't it? It really did because I remember Sunday night when we were podcasting. I kind of want to throw it in there at the end, and you're like, "No, no, no. Let's save it for the association." Yeah, let's talk about that right now. So. I thought Tom Thibodeau had to go. I personally am not a fan of the way that he overuses his two-way players, like Runs especially how he is over like how he overused Jimmy Butler. He tried to do the same thing to rookie Josh Okogi. I always add Okogi whenever they play games. I need somebody for fantasy. I mean, since Covington got added there or got traded there, his usage rate went through the roof all of yeah, a sudden. Absolutely. Like I, I can't blame Jimmy Butler for wanting out of there. I wouldn't want to go out there and play all those minutes for him if you're not liking it. You know what I mean? Like that's wasting your legs and wasting your abilities and skills. Why do you want to waste all that time out on the court playing your ass off for Tibbs when it's not working out? No, and and and, and the the even weirder thing is is that Tibbs even won the game and he was fired right after. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think it was time to go. I think that they were ready to move on from them. Personally, I think that he has more of an older style of play here in the NBA. It clearly wasn't working out. He's more of a defensive coach. I think that now you want more offensive-minded coaches unless you can really find a way of playing defense that works like we see in Denver, like we see in Memphis. You know, like if you have a style of defensive play like in Indiana, too, that really, really works out and gives you like a top three defensive club, then it works. But I mean – He's a defensive coach, and they weren't. I don't even think they were in the top ten in defense. Let me pull that stat up to be sure here. But yeah, at opponent points, um, no, they're, they're they're nowhere even close. They're middle of the yeah, road. Yeah, Minnesota was 18th in the league. Yeah. I mean, if you're a defensive coach, you can't be in the middle of the you can't be at the bottom of the middle no. of the pack. You know, like no, 18th more towards the bottom of the middle. Even Orlando, they're a team that comes to mind when we talk about defense this year. Oh shit, never mind. I read that stat back. Just continue. Yeah, um, what what is what's your thoughts on Thibodeau getting fired? Do you think it was the right move? Um, yeah, definitely. It's um kind of one of those things. Like in the NFL, we talk about, or I guess football in general, we talk about 
guy's message becoming stale. No matter what it is, if, if you have the best message in the world and you can't sell it, then what good is it if you have to keep it to yourself? Um, I agree. It was definitely time for him to go. And um, the guy that they have now, Kyle Saunders, isn't that his name? Son of legendary uh, Timberwolves staff, uh, Flip Saunders. The guy who died mm-hmm. like two or three years ago. Um, mm-hmm. He won his first game as, as a starter coach. Ryan Saunders um, seems like a guy who they'll really play for. Derrick Rose was fucking absolutely hype. Um, yeah, and also I hated the fact that everyone was getting on Derrick Rose for saying that um, they that people who think that he can't play without Thibodeau should go kill themselves. Kill themselves. Yeah. Like <laughs> Derrick Rose has been through hell and back. He can say whatever the hell he yeah, wants at yeah, this literally. point. Get, hop off. You yeah. know what I mean? Like let D Rose do his thing. I hey. hope D Rose keeps balling out. He's my favorite story in the league this year. Him and James Harden. If you if you think that Derrick Rose should censor what he says, you should go kill yourself. <laughs> chill, chill. We don't need we don't need beat we don't need Cohen have to come on the air at the end of the podcast like Lee Corso does after he curses yeah, on apologize. Day and apologize. Any press Say is good sorry, press. Cohen. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> um one topic that I think needs to be brought up, so I know Paul George got that technical last night that everyone was freaking out about. I personally didn't really have a problem with it. I like how competitive Paul George has been. And, look, I'll eat my words here gladly on Paul George. I said Paul George was more of a beta and that he played better with Russell Westbrook. I mean, Paul George, after having those two surgeries, has completely turned around the way he's played. But do you think him and him and Russell Westbrook is the right combination? Um, I, don't, I don't think it's the right combination, but I do think they've made it work. Um, it was a very surprising move to me that he stayed in Oklahoma City especially after a great, you you would call it, prove-it year from him. He had a great playoff series against Utah, even though uh, they lost. Um, through the beginning of the year, we sat back and thought, hey, maybe they will make it work really well because of the increased chemistry, the increased time to play together. Um, and another year of Billy Donovan, who has shown improvements in this year as a head coach. Um, do I think it's the right fit? Probably not. Do I think there they could be better players that play together? Yeah, but they seem to have 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 made it work well enough. They are they're they're not playing to their ultimate potential, no. But they seem to be putting together a impressive season enough. I think they've made it work. I definitely think that Paul George should be taking the big shots and like not Westbrook, like we saw in that Timberwolves game where he missed the big shots at the end of the game. But I think that these guys, they wanted to play together, clearly. I said I thought they would work well together. I thought it was kind of like a Paul and Harden kind of thing where the two work together but not three, which we saw basically with Melo trying to be that third with both teams and him not working out with either group of guys. Paul George currently ranks third in the league in um, real plus minus, and his win share as well is through the roof, which he's also third in. It's kind of weird. Him, Harden, and Davis are top three in all of them. Harden, Davis, flip-flop, and win share, but real plus minus, Harden is number one compared to Davis at number two. And I mean, he absolutely blew He's 60, he's 0.6 better than Davis is in that. But Paul George is taking his game to the next level. I think he's probably him, Jokic, Harden and Davis are probably the top three. And Giannis probably the top five right now for MVP just because LeBron's been injured. Before that, I'd say LeBron was definitely up there with all of them. But oh yeah, 
PG's averaging almost 27 points per game now, and last year he was only averaging 21.9. So, I mean, he's almost seven points better per game than he was last year. Six point, He's exactly six points better this year than he was last year per game. He's getting lots of rebounds. I mean, he's uh, he's either one or two in the league and steals him and Westbrook both are. I mean, they're, they're nitty-gritty defenders. They play both ways really, really hard, which is another thing, but... I mean, Paul George has been knocking that three-point shot down, too. I mean, that's the biggest part. And he's getting the free throw line. He's, he's averaging at least two, one more free throw attempt than he was last year. And on top of that, his three-point percentage is way higher. It's almost – actually, his three-point percentage is a little bit lower, but his field goal percentage is way higher this season as opposed to last year. I think the Paul George that before he got hurt in Indiana is finally back, and I think he finally feels comfortable. And I think him and Westbrook work really well together. And this is a team I – I picked to finish second in the Western Conference, and I still firmly believe in that. Yeah, let's see where they're at right now. Um, third or fourth, maybe? Yeah, I mean, the Western Conference, your third? position changes every day. Oh, God, yes. Literally, the teams, uh, 13 through 1 are separated by like seven games. Yeah, you know who's gaining on them right now is Oklahoma, or is uh, Golden State. You know who's coming back, and I believe. What is it? Is it middle of February when he's coming back? January 19th, DeMarcus Cousins will return against the Clippers. Will return to the Golden State Warriors for his first game. I assume it'll be a start. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's going to be must-see TV. I can't wait to see Boogie back out there. Boogie's actually one of my favorite players to watch play in the league, at least before he got injured he was. I just think he's a fun guy to watch play. Like, this guy had beef with Myers Leonard. Like, I mean, who the hell has beef with Myers Leonard? You know what I'm saying? Like, Nobody, except for I just love... Yeah, like Myers Leonard's almost irrelevant at this point in the NBA. He spit his mouthpiece out at him and got a technical foul when he was sitting on the bench that one time when he dropped 54, and he said, yeah, we got beef in his postgame interview. I was laughing so hard. I was like, my gosh, Boogie. But I think it's going to be fun to see how this this Warriors All-Star 5 works. I'm probably going to take work off that night just so I can watch him play. You know, like that's that's a big thing, DeMarcus. What day of the week is that? Do you know? It's a Friday night. Oh, my God. I'll – Paste my ass on this TV. ESPN at 10.30. Let's go. Oh, my God. So, Steve Kerr today came out and said, um, I'm on I'm on, I'm, I'm on. Real GM right now. DeMarcus Cousins will start immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll be in the starting lineup once he returns from his Achilles injury. Cousins is targeting a January 18th game against the Clippers as his return date, although Kerr mentioned that he could come back as early as the 16th against his old teams, the New Orleans Pelicans. You know why they're trying to bring him back that game? One, because it's against the Pelicans, and two, because it's on ESPN. They're trying to bring him back in prime time so they can showcase what they can do. The Warriors have been a little bit shaky so far this season. I think they're going to come out and make some statements and say, "Uh uh-uh, we still run the NBA. Don't even think you can mess with us. I think that's what they're really trying to do because I think they've been embarrassed on the biggest stages lately this season. Think about it. They lost to the Lakers when LeBron went out. They cut the lead to two and got blown out in the th- in the fourth quarter of that game. They lost to the Rockets. That's another primetime loss. I just feel like they've been embarrassed in these big games in the big on the biggest stages, and I think they're tired of it, and they're going to want to ball out. Oh, yeah, and I think Cousins makes them so much better, um, especially if he can hit the ground running. Mar- or, um, DeMar- Draymond Green has been considered probably the worst offensive player in the NBA this year. Um, his shooting percentages Sweet. are atrocious. His plus minus is atrocious. Um, or his real plus minus is atrocious, not his team plus minus. Um, I think that having DeMarcus Cousins back is not a cliche, but it's huge. Especially for a team that plays at the clip they do. They they have targets on their back every night. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you there completely. I'm also really excited for that for January right then because you know it comes back on uh in in January on January 19th. What? Saturday NBA showcase baby oh 3:30 Philadelphia God. or OKC at Philadelphia then that night we got the primetime 8:30 game the Lakers at the Rockets. I mean, James Harden's going to embarrass a few more people, snatch a few more ankles. Nobody wants to play against James Harden right now. Do you see him drop Jamal Murray on Monday night? I sure did. That's what I'm saying. Nobody wants to play against him right now. He's in a league of his own. But Monday, too, that week, that's ML- I believe that Monday is MLK Day. We got a huge slate of games as well. So, I mean, man, the NBA is heating up right now. I can't wait. Hawks got a big homestand coming next week. I'm going to be – I'm excited to watch. Um, What day is the – who are they playing? Who, who, who are the Hawks playing? Are you going? MLK Day? Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably go. We're playing the Magic. I mean, a lot of people hate the Magic. Honestly, the Magic are one of my favorite teams in the league, not only to bet on because they're very underrated. The public hates them, but I know them how the Magic play, and I know that they are a mismatch for a lot of teams with their defense and their big men that they have. But on top of that, I just think they're fun to watch play, man. I, I really think the Magic could be one of these teams that all of a sudden pop up as a powerhouse in the NBA because Jonathan Isaac is – very similar body-wise to Kevin Durant. And Mo Bamba, I mean, he has guard skills, and he's got the longest wingspan we've ever seen in the league. He's already an elite rim defender. So well, I and, and, and Bamba is very efficient in the small minutes that he plays. So mm-hmm. if they can figure out how to gradually increase his minutes and keep him as effective as he is, like he, like it's there, there's real hype for him right now because of how effective he is in small doses. Exactly, and I think that what we're saying right now leads into one of the segments I wanted to bring up, that the Wizards are better without John Wall. I mean, this season they're 6-4 and four total without him, but without John Wall over this stretch, they're 5-2, and two, and they're 6-1 and one against the spread currently without God. John Wall since he's gone out for the season. I mean, John Wall's contract is absolutely absurd. If any team could take him on right now, it would be Orlando. If you go look at Orlando, they have the pieces that I would want to trade. I can choose from either Aaron Gordon – um, Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, or Nick Vucevic. I mean, all those guys are great pieces to get in return for trade for John Wall. I don't know how the cap space works exactly. I haven't really done it on the trade machine at all. But, I mean, if I'm them, I want one of Bamba or Isaac, and I want one of Aaron Gordon and uh, Vucevic in return for John Wall. And I think that would be a good trade for both teams. I mean, if you look at this Magic team, they only got it got at the guards. is like DJ Augustine, Isaiah Briscoe. Uh, Evan Foynier, who's very, very up and down. Um, Terrence Ross. I mean, this team clearly, Jonathan Simmons, this team clearly needs a solid point guard and a solid floor general. I mean, imagine what John Wall could do in the pick and roll with those big men they have, and especially pick and pop game with those big men they have because they can all shoot the ball too. And I think you're right. I think the Wizards have nothing except for marginally to gain from running John Wall into the ground. So the quicker they can get rid of him and actually get some good building blocks, I, I, I like to call them building blocks, not great fucking guys, but you know guys that you could really start building around and kind of start to shift the culture of your team and the, your play style to around these guys. Um, John Wall, the course has ran its ran its run in Washington. Um, John Wall would be great to be motivated by a potential playoff team um, when he's healthy, of course. Um, I agree with you 100%. I, I, I think the Wizards have are losing every day by not trading him already. Yeah, I mean, I don't know necessarily how it works trading injured players, but 
basically ever since Wall has gone down, this is so Charlotte was the first game. Beal didn't play great in that game. He was 7 for 19, but they got the win, which is all that matters. Then he has 24, 33, 25, 28, 34, and he's averaging 24 points per game. So he's gone over that clip every single game except for one where he tied that. So, I mean, if I look at it, Beal plays better without Wall. They played better without Wall a lot of last season, too. That's the other thing people forget. They had a better record without Wall than they had with. And, I mean, you could say, oh, well, there was only, like, I think he missed, like, 15, 20 games last year. So you could say it's too small of a sample size. But, I mean, I think this year has helped prove it a lot, too, how much better the Wizards are without John Wall than with him. I mean, if I'm the Wizards, I think it's time to move on. That contract they offered him is absolutely absurd. I mean, I think he's had his good games. He's had his good stretches there. But, overall, I think John Wall has shown a decrease in his ability to play and a decrease in – how he is so and i i I, I think that a lot of that can be combated by motivation and playing for a team that actually wants you that's a weird way to say it but playing for a team that your effort isn't gone unnoticed and unrewarded yeah also though i mean he was injured a lot more than i thought (laughs) than i thought at last year he was was only played in 41 games last year he was there for the playoffs but i mean Back in that 16-17 season, I will say this. I mean, he averaged 23.1 points per game. The most he'd averaged before that was 19. So he took that jump. And, I mean, I went to that playoff series when he played against Atlanta. I watched him every single game in that series against Atlanta. He was on fire, man. I mean, I was like, damn, John Wall is going to be a force to be reckoned with. I do not want to see John Wall in the regular season. Yeah, in that postseason, he averaged 27.2 points per game and 10.3 assists. So, I mean, he was dominating. He dominated the Hawks in all those games. But – I don't know. I feel like it's kind of time to move on from John Wall. I just don't think he's good enough at shooting the three-point ball. That's my big thing. I mean, personally, if I'm a team, I wouldn't want to trade for a guy like John Wall. I'm a believer, and I would rather have these young guys that can shoot the three-point ball now, can stretch the floor. Because, I mean, youth basketball coming up and stuff, I watch – dinosaur at this point. Um, It's all about if if – like DeMar DeRozan, like other guys, if he can find a system who can incorporate him efficiently while not shooting the three ball and not highlighting his weaknesses, then yeah, we could do that. But is there a system that would take him on that could help him do that? Yeah, absolutely. You're breaking up a little bit there when you're talking, but no, I kind of get, get what you're saying there about DeMar DeRozan and all those guys. Um, what, you, what you got next for us? Um, so we talked about one guy from OKC who's been shooting the three ball at a very hot clip lately. Let's talk about the other piece of the puzzle who is shooting the ball at a historical low. Speaking of low, Zach Lowe on his podcast yesterday said Russell Westbrook is literally the worst high volume three point shooter in the history of earth. He takes five threes a game and hits them at a rate that would embarrass Antoine Walker. He's shooting just under 25% on five attempts per um, game. I come back to that. My comeback to that, though, is just like kind of like the same thing with Giannis, where Giannis is not a great three-point shooter. The team's winning games. I mean, I don't give a damn. As long as your team is winning games, it doesn't matter to me how your star player is shooting the ball. If, he, if what he's doing is translating into victories, then I don't really think it matters that much. What do you think? Um... I don't think it matters per se, but it's a the reason that statistics are important in sports is so we can look at patterns and anomalies. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to be said about 
him taking five attempts per game when he's shooting that low of a percentage. Yeah, I I understand shoot or shoot, but let's taper our shot attempts until we we hit fifty percent on three or four attempts per game. You know. Yeah, but I mean, also, how many of those are they give Westbrook the ball and it's the end of the clock and he has to chuck something up? You know what I mean? And probably a good also, number. And yeah, that I'm saying, I think that's a big thing too. And also, I mean, let's be honest. When you think of Russell Westbrook, do you think of a three point shooter? No. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I don't think of a three point shooter. I mean, I do agree that five attempts per game is a good bit. But, I mean, Westbrook's never really been much of a three point shooter. And even like if you go look at him in the past, I mean, Back in sixteen seventeen, he was he had two and a half. He made two and a half three pointers per game. That was the most he ever made. But he was shooting seven point two per game. That was the year when he won MVP. So I mean, he wasn't even shooting the three point ball well then. I mean, Russell Westbrook, you could argue, is an empty stats guy. I personally look at Russell Westbrook as he's the ultimate. He's so there's those point guards like the Alfred Paytons, like the John Walls, like, I'm trying to think who else is like that. But there's those point guards like that who aren't great shooters. But Russell Westbrook is so much of a superior athlete and defender and just playmaker than all of them. I mean, that's the way I look at Russell Westbrook is that he's superior to And he is. He, he gives you the best chance to win anytime he steps on the floor compared to just about any other player. That's, mm-hmm. I, I, I like to call it, football basketball he's a superior athlete so he's going to win a lot of the time but let's taper yeah. let's taper that those threes from five five attempts per game to maybe pass the ball to paul george one of those possessions and let him make a three he's been shooting at a high clip look the thunder clearly screwed up by hanging on to russell westbrook they should have held on to james harden they would still have kevin Durant if they did james yep. harden's proven he can still coexist with another with another uh, top star. I mean, they've done a good job, though, of at least turning it into something because they still have Paul George. They still have Steven Adams. They have Jerry. They have probably their... Pressing a lot of credit for what he's done, but clearly hanging on to Westbrook over James Harden was the worst move the Thunder made. Yeah, and um, something funny. So this year, uh, Russell Westbrook is shooting three-pointers at exactly the same rate that Greg Popovich wins NBA championships. Westbrook has shot 35 uh, of 147 from three this season, 23.8095%. Popovich Mm -hmm. has 21 NBA seasons under his belt and has won five championships, the same percentage, 23.8095%. Jeez. It's shit posting, but that's what gets me through the day. <laughs> no, I like it. I mean, hey, man, you got to do what you got to do. Back when I used to Valley, back in the day, I used to sit out there and listen to sports talk radio. I remember the first time I ever been on sports, I listened to him talk all all season long about Tom. Actually, I'd done it once before. I bet on the Super Bowl with the Broncos, and I bet on Vaughn Miller to win the MVP. Crazy that he actually won that. Yeah. He had great odds on it, got a big payout, but – so Tom Herman was the coach at Houston at the time. They were playing Oklahoma there. Houston's going to win this game outright, and they were like a six-point dog, but they were like, trust me, take the points. I took the points, man. Great day. But, no, I mean, when you're at Valet, I mean, you got to stroll through Reddit. you got to do NBA. Scouring. Fantasy drafts. Anything and everything you can do to shit out there. Yep. Um, All right, what, what else you got for us? Did you see the Nerlens Noel injury two days ago? Yeah, did they? They said it was only a concussion. Good, because I, I didn't hear what the outcome was, but I saw his head hit the fucking hardwood, and I had to look away. Shit was gruesome. 
Yeah, it was. It wasn't as bad as they, as, it, as it was said to be on there. So, not Good. bad. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear it wasn't as bad as it looked because it looked pretty fucking bad. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see the story today? I mean, I don't think this was really a surprise to anyone, but Clay Thompson said that he's gonna, probably going to stay with the Warriors. I mean, my bold prediction for next season still is KD ends up in L.A. and or in New York, one of the two, and we end up seeing Cousins stay on a big contract. I've also seen Cousins wants to stay there too. Do you think that this could actually happen? Uh, do I think Clay will stay in Golden State? No. Do I think he wants to? Sure. Um I think you don't Clay going to stay in Golden State. No, I think that deep down he kind of wants to uh, lead a team, maybe like the Hawks, maybe like the Magic. You know, maybe a team that needs some bulk scoring. Um, I feel like he wants Should to be the captain somewhere else. In a heartbeat. Oh, oh, I know. Oh my God, that would be the best. How many dribbles did he have in that forty-three point game the other night? Four. Was it like four? Exactly four dribbles in a forty-three point game. That's. That's crazy. I, that, that's what point about, like two dribbles per point. Pretty much. Like God, all fucking mighty. Yeah, I mean that is absolutely crazy. Um, Clay Thompson, to me, I think is needs to stay there. I think Clay Thompson needs to stay with the playoff team. I think he could lead a playoff team too. But at the same time, I think he needs another ball dominant player with him in order to lead a playoff team. Like imagine if Clay Thompson and James Harden played together. I think they would be absolutely unstoppable. Or Clay Thompson and Giannis, or Clay Thompson and LeBron. Like I feel like they'd be absolutely unstoppable. Clay Thompson averages over seven made three pointers in elimination games. In oh, elimination my. games. What an absolute cold blooded killer. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Going back to my original statement, Thunder had held on to Harden instead of Russell Westbrook. How many? How do you think this would? Have, you think that would completely have changed the entire mold of the NBA over the last couple seasons? Oh yeah, because who knows where Paul George would be had he not gone to the Thunder? Um, who knows what would have happened after the Warriors' first year of winning the championship? Like that would have opened up so many other quote unquote alternate universes. To, to Here's a hot happen. take for you. If Russell Westbrook and James – or if they've gotten rid of Russell Westbrook instead of James Harden, I think that the – I honestly think the Warriors would have only won one NBA Finals if they had ever if even won one NBA Finals. Uh, see, that's kind of the point that I was kind of like alluding to. You know, like who knows like if they would have been as dominant. Yeah. Like, yeah, like they drafted saying, like, like really well, but KD like really helped take them over the top. Like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. let's say that Steph and Clay and Draymond are having bad nights offensively, you know, Iggs and getting it together. A fucking 45-point game from Kevin Durant can still win you that game, you know? It's almost yeah, and everybody hate, Yeah, and everyone hates Kevin Durant for leaving them. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the move either. I wanted him to stay in OKC. I was a big believer that Kevin Durant could, not, could take them out on his own. I really, really, really thought he was new at that year. Me and Cook used to go at it every day at the valet stand. <laughs> About it, and when the Thunder were up and going to Game Six, I was like, "All right, the Thunder are going to get it done, man. They've got this." When they were up three games to one, the Warriors came back on them. But I mean, Kevin Durant is one of the coldest blood is one of the most cold blooded scores in the league. I mean, this there's a reason why he's called Easy Money Sniper. I have one of my favorite moves to watch that I've tried to take advantage of as well is when Kevin Durant gets a shorter defender on him. He takes that one dribble, he crosses over right to left, and gets right to the spot to his spot, which is right at the um, free throw line extended and pulls up over you. He, he shoots the highest percentage in the league from that spot on the floor, and that's his spot. I mean, they say two-point baskets aren't great, which I kind of agree with, but if you're that good at hitting a two-point point pull-up, I mean, why not shoot it every single time? Especially on a swing possession where 
Mm-hmm. You've got a team against the ropes. You had like a 6-0 run. You know, like you're kind of like switching the tempo in your favor. Hitting one of those daggers is just so disheartening. Like you play a good defensive possession, then KD just rises above you and hits a fucking 16-footer. Like, get me out of here, you know, in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kevin Durant, man, there's he's unguardable, man. I mean, he's probably the most unguardable. Him and James Harden are the two most unguardable players I've ever seen in the NBA. I used to think that about Kobe, but James Harden is way more unguardable than he is. It's not even close. Because of his size, too. It's 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 unfair. He's a cheat code. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, it's there's nobody in the league who, that can play like they could. I mean, if those two guys were together, I think they would also shoot the most free throws of any team in the league. Because, I mean, if you watch the way they both play, they both like to do that rip through. They both like to draw the foul. And yeah. you know what my big argument is to everyone who gets mad at James Harden for drawing all those fouls? I'm like, look, you don't see Russell Westbrook. You don't see LeBron trying to go out here and draw all these fouls because they're not good free throw shooters. Nope. KD and Harden get to the free throw line. It's almost automatic. And I honestly, I think that that's another stupid thing for people getting mad at. Like, would you not like – how can you be mad at someone for playing to their strength? You know what I mean? If you shoot 89% from the free throw line, you got to do it. Steph Curry even does it where he rips through on people and gets to the free throw line. Yeah. I mean, guys like me, my trouble's not with Kevin Durant or James Harden or Steph Curry who un- undercuts a lot. I'm mad at the rest for calling that fucking hot bullshit. Honestly, though, I think that there's a lot of fouls that James Harden doesn't even get called. Well, of course, of course not. He, he, he uses up all his free ones in transition. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple times that where he drove in there and he'd get absolutely mugged, and then players on the other team would get looked at and they would give him a foul on the other end. I mean, if you really gave James Harden every single foul he deserved, he could probably shoot 25 free throws a game. Oh, of course. That's true with any any player in any sport, really. Imagine how many holding calls they would actually call if they they called every single one in the NFL. You, yeah, pass they, interference. They, they hold on every play. It's just whether or not it's obvious enough to call. That's why I say keep your hands inside the pads. You can hold – you keep them outside the pads, you're going to get called. Yeah. I mean, it's way too hard to block. I mean, there's honestly, if you couldn't hold, I don't think you could block Aaron Donald. No. Oh, hell no. You have to hold him to a degree. Yeah, exactly. What else you got for us? Uh, let me give a shout out to your Atlanta Hawks. Um, despite shooting Ooh. 62.3% true shooting percentage, Jeremy, Jeremy Lynn ranks dead last with 18.7 minutes per game out of 160 players that are qualified that have 10, 10 points per game. Can you say that stat one more time? You lagged on me as you were saying it. Despite shooting 62.3% true shooting percentage, Jeremy Lin mm-hmm. ranks dead last with 18.7 minutes per game out of 160 players scoring at least 10 per game. Yeah, Jeremy Lin would play more for us, but we would win too many games. Oh, my we... God, yeah. He would he would be bring you over the top. And I mean, honestly, what the heck are we doing, Hawks? We've been winning way too many games lately. We had that little three-game winning streak we went on, or where we won, it was three out of our out of six games. I mean, we gotta chill. And finally, we've been on a losing streak again. Also, I remember I said it on my last podcast. Shout out to the Heat for being the worst team in the NBA. I mean, that was absolutely pathetic. They had they barely had sixty points against the Hawks with under five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, the Heat are the most up and down team in the league. Like I hate betting on the Heat. Gonna, I hate heat betting play on the against, Heat. Oh, I'm I've actually mastered them. The Heat play a bad team, you fade them. If the Heat play a good team, you take them. I had them last night against the Celtics. Yeah, I had the fucking Celtics, and I got goddamn burned badly. Yeah, that was I Celtics minus that, one. Yeah, you must be fucking serious. Mm-hmm. Um. 
I actually had a conversation, a very brief conversation. Don't make it seem like me and Grant Hill are having coffee in his fucking Buckhead loft. But when Grant Hill came to the Valet the other day, this has been probably two or three weeks ago, um, I told him, I said, man, Jeremy Lin's been playing really well lately. You guys need to go ahead and move him to get some good value. And he looked at me and just, like, looked at me weird and was like, yeah, good idea, you know, like, but I could tell that he didn't mean it. To me, it seems like they're just not going to move him. Um, I don't know if anybody would want his contract. His contract is very hefty right now. What is it? Do you have the numbers? Let me look it up for us right now. I know it is big, though, because, I mean, he signed that big contract. He's either with the Hornets or Nets. Signed him to an Nets, I to think. a huge one. I mean, I would. I personally want to move Jeremy Lin. I want to move a lot of people. I mean, I wish we'd pick pick. I wish every fourth quarter we'd go. We would have like where you come in the stadium and on the back of your ticket you have a number and they choose three choose five random ticket numbers. You get to play in the fourth quarter, the, the whole fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, that's what I wish the Hawks would do. Dude, but that's how yeah. it was last year for fucking Coach Bud. Like he he literally was like, "No, fuck you guys. I'm I'm gonna win games." They're like, mm-hmm. "Okay, here's what we'll do. We'll give you all fucking D leakers." Then see if you can do it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, I so Jeremy Lin's contract he's set to make over twelve million dollars this year, and he has a over one million dollar trade kicker, so he'll hit your cap at thirteen million dollars. That's the real reason why he can't be moved. He's an unrestricted free agent after the season's over. I bet you he'll sign in with a. You know where I think he should go is to Houston. I mean, I think he, he should go back to Houston. I think yeah. he'd be a great sixth man or a great bench guy for them. I mean. Rockets absolutely threw Austin Rivers a bone. I mean, if I was a guard in the NBA and watch out, Rivers has been playing really well for the Rockets lately. Yeah, well, this is one of my this my thing. If I was a guard in the NBA and I need to revitalize my career, I mean, shit, I'm trying to go play for D'Antoni. I mean, what guard has ever been bad in the D'Antoni system? Like I've said many times, he made Kendall Marshall average 15 and eight. Yeah, Kendall Marshall, he wasn't even the league the next year. It's not possible to be a bad point guard. I mean, I, Steve Nash was an, was good and all, but, I mean, if Steve Nash didn't play with D'Antoni, I don't know if he would have been half the player he ever was. Chill out. Mm, I don't talk, don't talk about that. the Canadian Stallion like that, dude, okay? The fucking guy who could have went pro in two sports. The white Deion Sanders. Could have been a pro soccer player, but didn't <laughs> want to do it. <laughs> he definitely could in the MLS. Just about anybody can. Yeah, eat my ass. All right, what, what else got? we got? Um, except for Patrick McCall signing with the Raptors, there's not really other many many other transactions been going on. Um, hmm, I'm trying to think if I have anything else. I mean, we're getting close um, to time anyway. Yeah, we're getting close to probably. I think probably next podcast we need to come up with like three or four trades we think should go down since we're knocking on the door of NBA trade deadline. So mm-hmm. I think we should probably get ready to start talking about that. I mean, I think it's, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. going to be that time of the season where it's start, where it's time to start talking about that. It's time to start talking about, he needs to either blow it up or put everything together, you know, and figure out what they're doing. If they're going to try to make the playoff push, if they're going to try to tank it out to me, I think one of the biggest teams you have a lot of decisions to make are the Wizards and Grizzlies. I think both those teams have got a lot of decisions to make. I mean, I think the Kings with what the, I don't think the Kings should try to acquire anyone. I think they should just kind of keep doing what they're doing. You know what I yeah. mean? But I feel like it's kind of that point in the season, you know? Oh, it definitely is. This is um, when, when we take the trends that happen and we take action on those trends. You know, Utah, we need a point guard right now. Let's see if we go in free agency or the trade the trade market and get a get a point guard, you know. Like let's see what the Hawks do with Jeremy Lin. You know, like this is this is where some interesting storylines really come about. Check your phone. I just sent you a funny ass picture of uh 
the coach of the Timberwolves, Ryan Saunders. That's his yearbook picture. Looks like Zeke Gormley. <laughs> he does. He looks like a. He looks like he's from Orlando, dude. It hits, hits only hits arms and only hits arms and back and chest and tan and like. and the tanning bed. This man yeah, calls a tanning machine a fucking machine. Yeah, five times a week, dude. Five times a week. But I don't really have anything else for everybody. You got anything else, Cohen? Nah, I don't. I, th- I think we did a lot of content today. It was scattered, but it was it was okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I- yeah, it's definitely a little scattered. I thought we discussed mainly the biggest topics to talk about. Another, I mean, I, I still think it's funny that I kind of came up with the, I kind of came up with that on the spot. I never even really thought about that until just now about how much different the NBA would have been if they had gotten rid of, if they had made that one different trade. I also think about how much different the NBA would have been this season with Chris Paul had never gotten hurt, but it's just a little fun blip for everybody if they, they had chose to keep Harden instead of Westbrook, which ended up should have been the right decision, but once again, guys, I'm Thomas Penlin. I'm the host of Hot Takes with TP3, sports podcast where I talk about, where I talk about all sports. Cohen is typically on my episodes. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Hot Takes with TP3. I tweet out my NBA bets there every single night. Cohen, I don't know if this podcast will be out or not in time tonight for the people listening, but if you are, um, I'm currently 39-21-1 on max plays, 66-47-1 total. I've got Wizards money line tonight as my max play. That's versus the Bucks without Giannis. I think it's a good play. I've got the under in that game under 229. I'm pretty sure there are lots of money's coming in on it, so it's probably way lower than that now. And I also took the Rockets team total over 114 tonight against the Cavs. He'll allow 113 points per game. So, I mean, I think that should be pretty easy for them to hit it. James Harden also, I would, his player prop isn't out yet, but I would probably hit that too if I was y'all. Yeah, and the Cavs are 0-10 in their last 10, so – Yikes. They're tanking right. I wish the Hawks would do that, damn it. Mm-hmm. I know. The Hawks can't even lose right. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Cohen Hughes. I am the host of the Daily Degenerate podcast about sports betting, comedy, debauchery, drinking, and whatever else. I co-host that podcast with a fellow named Matty Goldberg. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Cohen underscore Hughes. You can find me on Facebook, Cohen Hughes. Just search that. Uh, I don't do Twitter. I've I'm too crazy for Twitter. Um, you guys are listening to episode, or you guys have just listened to episode seven of the Association Podcast. Myself and Thomas Penland have greatly appreciated your time. Hope you enjoyed. Thank you.